Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Well College Podcast, where we provide tools to help our college students grow in Christlikeness. So tune in as we dive into today's episode, where we'll be discussing how to make sense of such a crazy time. that all is well with you and that you're staying safe this time. And I wanted to start today's episode um, with a little recap. Last week, uh, last week's episode, I briefly addressed the personal opportunities that we've been given in this time frame. And I promise you that we would talk about communal opportunities in this episode. So the goal for today is for us to be reminded who we are as the people of God, and how that informs how we love and serve our neighbor um, as it is the heart of the Father. So perfect. That's the goal. So at first, I want to uh, give you a resource that I was consulting throughout this period of me reading for this um, episode, and that is Rodney Stark. He uh, wrote a book called uh, The Rise of Christianity, and it's just amazing. He has a chapter there about how the early church responded to epidemics and pandemics and all the stuff. And it's actually really, really, uh, to me, it was almost devotional. I I really loved it. But Rodney identifies two main pandemics that have happened uh, early on in the church history um, or early on in the history of the church. Let's put it that way. And he masterfully uh, unpacks the beauty of how early uh, Christians responding or responded to uh, the pandemics. So the first um, epidemic, he estimates that around a fourth or a third of the whole population of the empire uh, suffered and died from uh, this epidemic. That is a lot of people. Uh, If a fourth of the USA were affected by uh, COVID-19 in a way that, you know, people were just started dropping like flies, that would be about 75 million people. And though the numbers were way smaller back then, that's true, uh, it's not the numbers that matter as much as the rate. A fourth or a third of people um, passed away. So that's a huge, huge number. Uh, the second one, he states that um, that there's a report that documents that about 5,000 uh, people died in one day. 5,000! New York uh, City yesterday, or, or today, I can't really remember. I'm sure it will change tomorrow, but... Uh, I think recorded that there were 779 uh, people that died in a single day. And that's been the highest that we have as far as I'm concerned. So 5,000 people is still way bigger uh, and in a smaller population. So this is, obviously this was a big, big deal. So uh, the reason why I'm telling you this is to remind you that uh, we are in good company. We're in good company in regards to experiencing calamity and crisis. Um, An article that I read this week put it the best way uh, that I've heard anybody put it. And it's this, quote, The modern world has suddenly become reacquainted with the oldest traveling companion of human history. That is existential dread and the fear of unavoidable, inscrutable death. End of quote. Um, You know, though that not... Uh, I don't know how to say this in English, though that might not be as comforting. Um, I want to remind you that 
that what we're experiencing here is the norm. It's not an exception. It's, it has been normal for the entire entirety of um, human history. So here we're in good company. Uh, the worst possible feeling that you could um, have had so far has been felt by someone else. And I find that comforting. Um, I don't know about you, but I find that comforting. The fact that there have been other believers and there have been other people that have faced more severe um, epidemics uh, and that we have records of these is actually really encouraging in, in my mind. So first, I want to uh, read to you two quotes uh, that report how people you know, reacted to um, epidemics in, in history. So the first one comes early on in the mid-200s after uh, Christ. Uh, a plague breaks out in Egypt and this guy Dionysius of Alexandria uh, writes from the city and he says, quote, at, at the first onset of the disease, the non-believers pushed the sufferers away and fled from their dearest throwing them into the roads before they were dead, and treated unburied corpses as dirt, hoping thereby to avert the spread and contagion of the fatal disease. End of quote. Now, um, there's another uh, person that I found. He, he, uh, his name is Boccaccio. He's a, a poet from Florence. And uh, during the outbreak of the bubonic plate in the mid-1300s, he writes this uh, uh, quote, Enough that a sore affliction enters so deep into the minds of men and women that in the horror, therefore, brother was forsaken by brother, nephew by uncle, brother by sister, and oftentimes husband by wife. Fathers and mothers were found to abound, abandon their own children, untended, unvisited, to their own fate, as if they had been strangers. End quote. So what we see here in two different instances, in different times in history, and still true of us today, is that in our natural state, if we were left to our natural tendencies, uh, we will lean towards self-preservation. Um, and this is understandable. I mean, I've seen it in my own life. I'm sure you've seen it in yours but I am definitely sure that at least you've seen it in the lives of the people around us. Right? In the supermarket, people are fighting over toilet paper and hand sanitizer and Lysol and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Our natural tendency is to lean towards self-preservation. But yet we see the life of Jesus and this is not true for him. Um, if anything, it's actually the opposite, right? That he would count our interests before his in coming and becoming nothing and emptying himself to become a servant, right? And putting that call upon us as his people to imitate our master and our Lord who said that if anybody is worthy of me, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, take your own cross and follow me, right? Die to yourself. This is the call of Jesus. So what I want to see is how Christians in history have adopted this calling to be like Christ to others, to not be self-centered, but uh, self-emptying, if that's a word. So here I have a couple of uh, quotes for, for you.
first one comes from um, Dionysius of Alexandria in the 3rd century. Uh, and he says, quote, Most of our brother Christians show unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick and attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. And with them departed this life seren serenely, I can't say that word, happy. For they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. And many in nursing and curing others transfer their death to themselves and die in their stead. End quote. This is just amazing, right? That just as Jesus took upon himself our sin and died on our behalf, that we would be the kind of people who also take uh, upon each other uh, the burdens of the sick and the need and those who are in a vulnerable um, state. The second one comes from Eusebius of Caesarea. Quote, Christians alone in the midst of such ills show their sympathy and humanity by their deeds. Every day some continued carrying for and burying the dead, for they were multitudes who had no one to care for them. Others collected in one place those who were afflicted by the famine and throughout the entire city and gave bread to them all. So the thing became noised abroad among all men, and they glorified the God of the Christians, and convinced by the facts themselves, confessed that they alone were truly pious and religious. End of quote. Now, the third and last uh, quote that I want to give to you comes from Martin Luther, who was alive in like the 1500s, right? Um, and in, in this little letter that he wrote, uh, uh, the, the letter is called, Whether One May Flee from a Deadly Plague. This is what he says, uh, quote, When anyone is overcome by horror and repugnance in the presence of a sick person, he should take courage and strength in the firm assurance that it is the devil who stirs up such abhorrence, fear, and loathing in the heart. The devil takes delight in making us steadily afraid, worried, and apprehensive, so that we should regard dying as horrible, and have no rest of peace all through life. He tries to make us despair of God, become unwilling and unprepared to die, and under the stormy and dark sky in fear and anxiety make us, make us forget and lose Christ, our light and life, and desert our neighbor in his troubles. Further on, he continues, Moreover, he who has contracted the disease and recovered should keep away from others and not admit them into his presence unless it be necessary, that no one becomes unnecessarily endangered on his account and so cause another death. End quote. So this is the pattern here, uh, that we as the people of God have been called to have the mind of Christ, as Philippians 2 says who acted not out of selfish ambition, counting his own interests, but rather being the form of God, he became nothing, 
emptying himself and becoming weak like us, taking the form of a servant, humbling himself uh, in obedience, even to the point of death on a cross. The pattern here is one of humility and love towards our neighbor as an expression of our love for the Father. With the intention, as 1 Peter 2 says, of proclaiming to all the world the character and excellencies of God who has carried us into light, into a new life that is not bound by death and therefore not bound by fear. This is who we are as the people of God. So obviously we could go into a thousand little practical steps on how to carry this out. And I can't do that. Uh, It's impossible for me to do so. But what I can do is give you a broad enough concept that perhaps informs the way that we ought to love and serve our neighbor. And this is it. We as the people of God do not turn away from those who are in need. Um, There are many disclaimers and exceptions to this. I can't think of all of them. Um, A couple of them, perhaps, you know, people will take advantage of you. That is true. Um, Another one is perhaps sometimes trying to help is more harmful than helpful. And out of love for your neighbor, you should abstain from participating in something like that. Um, But that's still, you know, whatever disclaimer you put there, still does not negate the truthfulness of this concept, that we as the people of God do not turn away from those who are in need. Uh, Let me give you a couple of verses that I think support this. The first one, um, Matthew 25, 35 through 40. Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed you? Or when did we see you thirsty and gave you a drink? And And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or saw you naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did also for me. First John three sixteen through 18 By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his hand against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Cool. Another one. Old Testament text. Love it. And it's this. Ezekiel sixteen forty nine. Um... This actually refers to Sodom and Gomorrah, and we tend to think that Sodom and Gomorrah's, you know, capital sin uh, for which they were destroyed was uh, sexual depravity. Uh, But Ezekiel tells us in chapter 16, it says, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, but they did not aid the poor and the needy. Another one, Psalm 41, 1, 2, 3, and this will be the last one. Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. This um, is who we are as the people of God. I hope that you see the pattern there. 
we do not turn away from those who are in need. And again, for my own conscience, use discernment and wisdom when it comes to helping others. With that said, I want to move into a little bit of practicals and then we'll be done with this episode. So uh, here are some practicals. First, uh, do you know of anyone who is in need? Uh, This can be physical, emotional, or spiritual. Um, Perhaps a friend who struggles with depression that you can give him a call or a neighbor who's disabled or someone that just lost someone i mean there's a lot going around in which we can actually help Uh, the second one is practicing hygiene now the uh, motivation behind practicing hygiene is different from uh, the world the world practices hygiene for self-preservation we are called to practice hygiene out of the preservation of others, for the love of others, for the safety of others. Uh, this is especially true if you're visiting or helping a neighbor who is fragile or who is old or who has other diseases that might lead to, you know, a, a very severe response to the COVID-19. Uh, this is especially true in those cases. Uh, practice hygiene out of love of neighbor. The third one is for us to listen to our authorities. Uh, You know, the World Health Organization and perhaps whatever local authority it is that you have uh, that are putting time and effort and energy, sacrificing perhaps being with their families for the sake of fulfilling their duty and keeping us safe as citizens. And, you know, we are in Romans 13, I think is where Paul Uh, encourages us to submit to the authorities. Now, the fourth one is contact your local hospital, uh, homeless shelter, or perhaps, I think they're called the senior assisted living facilities, whatever they're called, and just call up and see if there's uh, anything that perhaps you can do to help. And most importantly, take very seriously whatever uh, measures or whatever instructions it is that they give to you in regards to how to best and actually help them instead of it being um, detrimental. So um, that's it. That's all that I have for us. And uh, thank you for tuning in. Hope that this uh, episode is helpful. Uh, If you have any questions or any comments or would like to be in the loop of what it is that it's going on during the week, uh, send us an email at collegeatthewellabilene.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram uh, at thewellcollege. And see you next time. Have fun.